so we, we do have an answer, though, to our, our question from several episodes of who gets to log the time on Mars. We, we did. And, well, and did, yeah, we definitely have an answer. I kind of I wonder for some reason. Well, they didn't make the cut because I think we talked about it, I think, all right, on, on another Maybe episode. Maybe it was a daily. Um, <clears throat> talked about it flying. I don't remember talking about logging. It. Maybe it was a daily, but we haven't done an episode since it flew. Yeah, I know. Well, but let's come back to that because I, 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 I want to talk at length well, about, it's, about that. It's um, like first on the list, though. Uh, oh, no, not okay. exactly. Yeah, well, I see what you're not saying. Not exactly. No, first on the list is... Welcome back, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be. Oh yeah, it, it, that's right. His name is Dave. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, we waited for you, Dave. Well, actually, we didn't wait, but we kept hoping that you would appear. And uh, but uh, apparently, there was what time zone math involved, and or something like that. This is for the uh, the Sun and Fun episode when we we and, and normally if one of us doesn't appear, and it, believe me, it happens more often than you'd want to admit. All right. Um, but usually because we record and then later on edit and post, you know, you, we can wait for each other and we're happy to wait. For, I'm happy to wait for you guys. Um, but that particular day we were going to be live on Sun and Fun Radio. And so we had to go and uh, without Dave. I, I, sn- you know. I snoozed. I lose. Uh, I guess so, huh? <laughs> so uh, anyways, uh, um, I'm glad you're well. We wondered whether maybe you had, I don't know, you know, tripped over a something in your living room or foolish thing like that, but uh, foolish that we were thinking and not that foolish that, it was, oh God, I'm digging myself. Yeah, you're, you're, here. We're, we're, we're um, past redemption. Yeah. Well, but well, anyways. I, I've, I've noticed that uh, we've had a cold front move through overnight and my left yeah. shoulder where I got my Johnson and Johnson is <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That sounded funny for a second. Keep going. Yeah, if I'd have hesitated, whose Johnson was this again? You say, <laughs> Yeah, I know exactly. I'm sorry. Family podcast. Keep going, David. So, where you got your shot? Yeah, yeah, it's it's like sore again. Uh huh. And it, yeah, and that's it what coinc- you were. It coincides with the weather changing. Ah, okay. Well, see, well dude, there you go. Someone, so someone a- took a thin piece of metal, stuck it in your arm, and put fluid in your arm. That's yeah. you know, that's an, that's yeah, an that's ouchie. an ouchie. So yeah, you're you're that's gonna have. Oh, it's I, definitely invasive, yeah. but it's been a week today. Well, yeah, no, David, Jeb, David tells me, I was talking to him yesterday, that apparently it's his arm got more sore than than yours or mine, or at least mine. Yeah, mine I guess, mine had a dull, very, I mean, I was aware of it kind of thing for, for three or four days. Yeah. Every now and then I still am aware of it uh-huh. because of yeah. Yeah, that that kind of matches. Yeah. Uh, not, not, yeah. not, I'm in pain or anything, but I'm just, oh, yeah, I got a shot. I got a, I got a couple of shots in that arm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah now, this was... Uh, uh, at the beginning, just a dull ache, and about thirty six, thirty eight hours later, it turned into a real ouchie. Yeah. Uh huh. And, and but you hurt to and, move, right? And, and not to not to uh, you know kind of intrude on your personal medical questions here, but you you had no other weird side effects. You didn't get the fluish symptoms or anything like that, or did you? I don't know. No, I mean, no, nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all three now. Jeb and I are completed vaccinated. Dave's just got his the other day for odd administrative reasons. Um, but you got the one that you'll be set in two weeks, right? You're like yeah. a week in now, I think, right? You're, yeah. I, or I, more. I, I don't get a second one. 
Yeah, no, you get on. But, and so long story short, we've done our duty and we've got more than just duty. We've it's anyways, I'm a big, yeah. I'm a big vaccine vaccination cheerleader. So I, I'm going to stop right, now, I but got the jab. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fauci's, and, Fauci's uh, alley. And, you know, and, I, and I'm glad of it. Yeah. And so, um, Everything's fine. Everything's good. Uh, we all are have uh, higher levels of of, of safety and uh, can slowly start to return to uh, a little bit more like normal life. No, we're just waiting on That's the rest good. of the well, world. Actually, I, I uh, um, was talking to a buddy of mine uh, about coming to visit him in a town that's, at least in my view, has been known for a good evening out, and. Uh, <laughs> 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 I, I, I lived there a couple yeah. of years, so yeah, you know, but um, uh, it says basically they're still, you know, shut down. There's very little live music. Um, um, don't don't expect to have a grand old time in that particular town right now. So even if you are vaccinated. Oh, we're just about to start getting live music again, yeah. mm-hmm. starting this weekend. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to any of them because... I don't like any of the <laughs> There you go. There you okay. Go. Well, I'm glad you're being responsible. <laughs> um, okay. All right, then. Well, everybody, go out there and get vaccinated. It doesn't hurt. You don't get sick, and it makes it better for everybody. That's but, my pitch. But, but there are places I'm much more comfortable visiting now for what they brew on the premises. So, And, and look, e- even if, it, you know, even if it does hurt a little bit or, or you don't feel all that good or, or just as an excuse, you can always say, hey, I don't feel like coming into work today and stay home in bed. So <laughs> what, what could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I, and I pass a couple of mirrors on my way to the office. I should have stopped there and said, dude, I'm not showing up. <laughs> who, who are you and what are you doing in my bathroom? um so i'm scanning my uh all my various places you know email newsletters that i receive about aviation and uh and and what do i come across but uh this an article with the headline uh looking up your old n numbers it says a trip back through the logbook to learn what became of various airplanes i've flown looking up um, your old address etc and i'm reading this thing and i'm suddenly going wait a minute I know that guy. Who wrote that? Uh, that's that's Joseph E. Jeb Burnside wrote that How article, that? and uh, yeah. So this is in uh, this is so this apparently if you read if you go all the way to the bottom you get the details here. This was an aviation safety magazine article that got republished by Avweb, right? right? And uh, um, so I don't know. Maybe this is not fair to you, Jeb, because your chances are you wrote this a long time ago. Do you remember this article? Yeah. Can you t- can you kind of sum because it's kind of an interesting. You know, um, 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 you know, uh, uh, visit past back through your through your logbook, basically look yeah, through history, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and it's not you know not a kind of smooth road, so to speak. No, it's right? not all. Tell me about some of the things you discovered. Um, I, yeah. I mainly got started on this project. Um, I flew a Piper Archer uh, for a year or two. I got my instrument rating in it. Long, long, long mm-hmm. time ago, back before Loran, <laughs> and um, um, I had lost track of it. It had a vanity in number. You know, we normally track airplanes we fly by the in number. This one had a right. vanity in number, and it changed right. hands shortly after I stopped flying it and got a, a yeah. four-digit, five-digit in number, and I lost track of it because I had never written down its serial number. 
Okay. Ah, okay. All if right. I had the serial number, it would have been a cinch to just plug it in uh, to the FAA website. And on a whim one night, uh, when I was kind of surfing around, uh, I came across a link on the FAA's aircraft registration website uh, to, for questions. And, you know, I got nothing to lose. So I typed out a real quick note uh, to that email address. And, you know, I'm trying to find this airplane that had this registration number in this time frame. Uh, and, you know, can you help me out? And uh, the next morning, the next morning with my coffee, I had an email from Oak City giving me the serial number of that airplane at that time uh, that had that. It had that right. Yeah. And, pl- and plugged okay. it in, found the airplane. Um. It it still has um, the original, or at least one, original uh, KX-170B in it that I, ha- wow. that I helped wear down the paint on. And, okay. and I just yep. thought that was really kind of cool. Uh, it's in good hands. It's going strong, um, yada, yada, yada. I'm, I'm happy to see it. Uh, I'm, and uh, that was kind of the genesis for this article. Yeah. But now the story, as you looked at some of the other things in your logbook, the story wasn't always quite so no, happy. No. The first 172 I flew for any, I think the first 172 I flew, but certainly for any duration of time, um, was destroyed in an accident a few years later. A non-instrument rated private pilot took off into a low overcast and a quote from the accident report was a witness saw the uh, the running lights on the air. This was at night. Okay. Took off into a low overcast at night, non-instrument rated private pilot. And the witness said he saw the uh, running lights descend in a spiral. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Yeah. Um, there was another one. And it, and it wasn't a Disney drone. Yeah. There was yeah. one that was basically basically a sea fit, uh, but um, the, the airplane was destroyed. The uh, uh, pilot was uninjured, basically, for some uh, miraculous reason. Um, the uh, there was another one that lost a vacuum pump, and uh, the pilot eventually lost control at IMC and killed both aboard. You know things like that. But yeah. for every for every one yeah. of those, there's two or three stories about. Um, you know, this airplane is still going strong. It's it's it's, uh, it's it looks like it's being cared for, and and uh, uh, nothing in the NTSB records about it. Yada yada yada. Um, and it was just uh, I thought it was kind of interesting from the uh, you know what happens to the airplanes you've been flying uh, after you stop flying them um, kind of question, but also from the standpoint of we're still making the same mistakes. In, in the uh, cockpit, yeah. still having the same problem, still losing control, and um, I, I don't know that we can do much about it. Um, right, I, you know, right. It, it's it's silly to have these same mistakes over and over and over and over again by the by by pilots who really do know better, but they're still doing mm-hmm. stupid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. David, have you managed to keep track? From what little I know, or what, what I guess I know more than a little, but um, David, you have not been as much of a rental aircraft user over the years. You've sort of either owned your own airplanes or flown demo airplanes. Right? Am I right about that, David? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, uh... Have you kept track? I think you've talked about um, your beloved Comanche and uh, um, and uh, what was before the Comanche was the what? The 140? The, the Piper? Uh, 
Uh, what was before was a Cherokee, and I'm Cherokee, and I'm yeah. looking at it right now, eight oh November. Uh huh. And what's its situation now? Uh, it's uh, still working. Still working. Still works. Does it say where where it's based? What airport it's at, or or or, or what state it's in? Let's put it that way. Let's not reveal too much information about. It. Huh. No, it uh, shows it at Vero Beach. That's odd. Okay. That was sort of my final question of all this whole thing. And and I have not done this. I, I'm kind of curious to do it. Um, I would love to look up some of my old airplanes. I would love to actually go visit some of my old airplanes. Um, you know, it would be fun to track down my, my solo airplane and my, uh, my uh, um, checkride airplane, which were both rental airplanes. And one would imagine, barring some calamity, are still out there. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, but that leads me to my question, Jeb. Um, uh, how, so what systems, what, what um, databases did you use to track these down? Was it, did you just simply type the end numbers into the NTSB accident well, database? Or principally, how did you do uh, the FAA aircraft registration database and the NTSB's uh, search engine. Okay, and so this register the uh, the registration database is public as Correct. well. Uh, I guess that's Correct. obvious, right? Um, I, I would type these numbers into like uh, FlightAware, which would give me it, a lot. Of information. It will give Does you the- a lot of recent information, but unless you have an account okay. or you own the airplane, it will not give you a lot of historical information. Okay? Uh, I see. Okay. Um, Mine's been canceled. Huh. Which, what's been canceled? Dude? The uh, Cherokee. Oh, really? Oh really? Yeah. Search. Well, do a search might. on NTSB. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry, Jeff. Je- you were saying that uh, I think I was finished. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'm going to do some research here and see if I can track some of these down. It would be fun to go and track down and actually visit the airplane. You didn't, in the process of researching this thing, Jeb. You didn't actually try and talk to any of the current operators no, or owners of no. these airplanes. That would be kind of interesting. No, I, I haven't. Uh, I. Uh, um. I hadn't even thought about that actually. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, you know, it's, I, for years I wrote a column for the uh, newspaper at Oshkosh at Air Venture called uh, Around the Field. And uh, as part of that column, I talked to a lot of people who I just met by wandering around the the campgrounds and so forth. Um, and and for the most part, everything I ever knew and know now about those people was what I wrote in the stories. But it's occurred to me to go back to some of those old stories, like from 10 years ago, and see if I could track any of them down and see what's, you know, I I talked to a lot of people back then that that were like, you know, a parent and their kids who were at Oshkosh, you know, which were just awesome stories. I just loved those stories. Um, You know, so, you know, 10 years ago, I talked to a guy and his daughter. I mean, hypothetically, I'm sure I did, but I'm not thinking of any particular case here. But for example, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I talked to a guy and his daughter in the North 40 campground and she was nine and he was a dad. And, um, it'd be really fascinating to find out what became of those people. You know, they they talked at the time about her becoming a pilot and did she, and what became of that? Do you have like full contact information on these people? Uh, no, I don't have any contact information. It occurs, but I, what, what it occurs to me to do, but I do know things like, I know that sometimes I know the plane and number because I have some photographs from those um, interviews. And, uh, but I also basically just have like first and last name and home airport. And it occurs to me that, um, my friends at the EAA might be willing to help me track down people like that who are still, if they are still members. You didn't get their EAA number? No, no, come on. I wasn't. (laughs) 
this is me. Um, so uh, I always wanted that in the in in the any photo cabinet yeah. because yeah yeah well you 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 were a pro, David. I was just a guy who wandered around the North Forty chatting with people. Anyways, all right. Well, that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, a, a walk down memory lane with uh, all yeah. of your old airplanes. Well, I uh, just took a look at uh, my first airplane, the Cherokee, which has been canceled and looked up my second airplane, Comanche 180, 7373 Papa, and I was pretty sure I knew what was going to come up. Your search did not return any results. That's because it got exported to Canada. Uh, If you knew, well, you know the serial number, you should be able to go to the Canadian website. Just Google Canadian Aircraft Registration Search. And it'll, I'm pretty you know. sure it's in the same hands. Yeah, uh, yeah. But a guy up in the Maritimes. Yeah. I think they've both been. They're both being used by the CIA now. They're both spy planes. The Canadian being, Intelligence Agency. Well, the, 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 that's the cover story. Yeah, the, the guy up in Canada uh, swore he'd call me and reach out to see if I wanted it back if he ever decided to sell it. And uh, so I'm kind of operating, yeah, on, you know, I'm operating on the belief that it didn't return any results in the FAA database. I'll look later at Canadian uh, yeah. records, but I'm pretty sure he's still flying the puppy. Yeah. Yeah. Men are jerks. They always say they'll call, but they never do. <laughs> welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled on that note. Welcome. Oh, so folks. that's why we're here. Yeah, it's Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from a beautiful spring day uh, here in, uh, in uh, where am I? Dover, New Hampshire, <laughs> along the banks of the uh, beautiful Cochico River. Oh, it's going to be one of those episodes. It is, it is. Um, and uh, I'm completely disoriented by the fact that we're using a different um, voiceover IP and recording system today. And I can't quite understand Things are things are just different enough that I'm disoriented, and it's kind of like a half of my eyes are 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 just kind of watching this foolish display and going, "Is that what it's supposed to be doing? I hope this is working, folks. You'll think, know." Think of our poor listeners. Yeah, I know. Well, they'll, they'll either know this from their perspective. This either worked or it didn't, and they won't know the difference. I mean, unless it worked. Um, I'm here with my uh, in our virtual hangar with my two good friends, uh, chatting about uh, old airplanes and and uh, and brand new voiceover IP systems. One of those voices out there. There from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, is uh, Jeb Burnside. Good morning, Jeb. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, still licking my wounds from yesterday, but that's you know to be expected. Yeah, I, yeah. I was. Is that something you want to elaborate on? Trying real quickly. I was just trying to launch on a multi-day, multi-leg trip uh, up and down the East Coast, and um, the airplane checked out perfectly on the ground before run up before starting the engine. Checked out perfectly in the run up pad. Um, I take off and my number two navcom has failed uh-huh. and, and, uh, I don't want to, you know, call it, call me, uh, uh, overly, uh, cautious, but, uh, I didn't want to launch on that kind of a trip with just one radio. Right. Right. So I turned around and went back home and landed. Now, and, okay, uh, so that's interesting. Kicked, kicked the wall and, and uh, yeah. stuff like that. Now, I don't, I don't know if you saw the email I sent you later in the day. Um, yeah, you did. And I don't have seems an, to think uh, that you arrived at your first destination. Yeah, you? I don't I don't have an explanation. I have no idea what's, what's I mean, going on. I mean, had very precise and, and information this is, about This is one reason we, we, we when we talk about 
records like this, we say, according to FlightAware. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I was like, it was, it was really interesting because I had already heard from you that you had turned around and gone home and that you were safely back at your house. And then FlightAware says, says Jeb arrived and the flight time was four hours and two minutes. And it was very precise about how you had arrived. And, uh, but, uh, I'm going, wait a minute. He said he didn't arrive. It was only flight plan. Four hours and two minutes. It was flight plan for two plus 30. Well, whatever the number was, I thought it was. So yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Although it might have been four, maybe it's something timed after four hours. I don't know, but uh, that was kind of interesting. Anyways, yeah. well, all right. So yeah, you're uh, so you're uh, you know you, you headed home, so lick, I'm, licking I'm, your wounds, I'm, getting ready. Yeah, to... a little little melancholy here today, but other than that, uh-huh. I'm I'm uh, ready to take you folks on. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, good. Good. That's always wise. Uh, and uh, um, and then from the air capital of the world, my other good friend here is uh, Dave Higdon. Good morning, David. Good morning, Jack and Joe. So what's going on with you these days? How's it? It's, it must be deeply into stress, right? You probably already had 90 degree days out there, haven't you? No, no, not yet. Uh, mid to low 80s and uh, uncharacteristically low humidity uh, back earlier in the month and late in April. Uh, this morning, it's uh, 43, 44 degrees. We had a front move through overnight, and uh, it not only lit up my sinuses, but it lit up my left arm, and I'd give my right arm for it to stop hurting. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> It'll get better. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, yeah, were you about to say something there? I'd bite me is, is what I was going <laughs> to say. Uh, um, they were going to needle me about getting needled. Uh, at, the, at, the, at the no humidity comment alone. Oh yeah, me. yeah, I know. You're, it's like now we're getting into the time of year when we get to turn back on you in some ways, anyways. I'm not sure if I, I, I don't think that that's a perfectly reasonable uh, uh, trade off. But yeah, it's about to get wet. We're, although it hasn't been wet at all, are, are you guys getting less rain than usual? So for reasons that will go unexplained, I've started watching the daily rainfall numbers in central, what I call central Florida, your area down there. All right. And I, and I happened to notice the last couple of days that you've had like zero rain for four five, six days. Um, and then, and then we talked on the our previous episode about how in fact Orlando went through somewhat historic Florida drought. Um, and, uh, um, is it unusual for it to rain as little as it has? I mean, you've had like zero rainfall for five or six days in a row down there. That seems unusual. That's not, unusual for really? this time of year. Really? I will say, however, that given the uh, height of the wa- height of the water in the pond, the lake, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> um, this will come up at the next meeting. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, we've, we're actually having a wetter winter. Okay. Than um, say the last two or three. All right. Normally I have certain, certain things exposed as the water gets lower. Um, in the lake, uh-huh. and I haven't seen I haven't seen those things. So that that this, this that, year that so old we, village actually, that's on the bottom of your thing that, becomes yeah, exposed, the, the, right? The, um, uh, the the car parts and and the bodies, <laughs> the, right? The uh, stolen car that's yeah, down there. Yeah. <laughs> there really is, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did we conclude there really was a car dumped in? Your oh pond? yeah, abs- well, it, uh, it wasn't the whole thing. Yeah, uh, it was, but it was um, certain body parts. Automobile body parts. Uh, the automobile body parts. <laughs> you. I think we talked about this. I can't remember. It's been so long ago. I, I think but we, we did. found we, enough, we we found enough 
um, yeah, and the authorities body were parts and... to get a to get a VIN number off of them. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> and it turned out to have been stolen in Miami about you know ten years earlier. Yeah, or okay. Like so, that. anyways, and I'm like, hey guys, you know, I just I just did buy the place, so uh, don't come after me. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so, David, everything's good with you. Otherwise, right? You've you're uh, you're yeah. you're good to go. Keeping busy. Yeah. Yeah, you got your shot. You're uh, 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 chug, you know, chugging along, living life. Okay. Yep, uh, getting work done. Uh, today, they, uh, they got two interviews, finish the story this afternoon, and I'll finish that, ship it out, and tomorrow I'll do the invoice and ship it out, and then it'll be time to take the weekend off. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, David, you missed the last episode, um, but um, one of the things that, that Jeb and I kind of went a little uh, little crazy talking about was our excitement at what at the time was the, the, the uh, as-yet-hadn't-happened first flight of the Ingenuity rotorcraft on, uh, on Mars. Um, and, oh, and, yeah, the egg beater. Yeah, and we were very excited about the prospect of it flying that night, as a matter of fact. And uh, um, since then, it's actually flown like four times. Um, but uh, it was it was pretty exciting stuff. And uh, they're, uh, you know, uh, doing some great things up there. It's uh, it's quite a thing. Jeb, what, what, you know, I, and I know you and I talked the next morning after it flew for the first time. But uh, any particular reaction to uh, its activities since then? Um. Yes and no. I mean, um, the uh, the flights that they've taken have been more in the the test and research modes, I would think, than than actual actually doing science. Although anything they do and and uh, uh, anything this this ingenuity uh, rotorcraft does is science by, by pretty much by definition. So, um, I mean, it hasn't it hasn't flown under any bridges or telephone lines. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. So well, I, I mean, busted any clearances. It's yeah. right. Has it has it penetrated any any secure airspace or anything like that? <laughs> All right. So All right. I, I'm I'm you know no I'm I'm just kidding here. These guys and guys and gals have made all kinds of of. Uh, um, Achievements. They have up all kinds of achievements in doing this. They have, and, and, they, and I, I am forever humbled by their skill and, and daring. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, so they, and, and we talked earlier about the fact that we were questioning about a logging. Apparently, it really is a logbook. Um, I mean, yeah. not only is there a symbolic logbook that looks like you our logbooks. But it, the the whole thing is logged very carefully for a variety of different reasons, and uh, and that's kind of interesting. the uh, The program has been so successful so far. So I, as I as I recall, the original plan was that it was only going to fly a limited number of times, five or seven or something like that. All right, that was the original experimental plan for Ingenuity. Yeah, um, and um, there and there are four flights into that. And um, although there have been a couple of different kind of false starts where, you know, kind of things adjusted and then they went out and completed the experiment and it's going well to the point where they've announced now that they are going to continue to fly it even more. They, they've uh, they've added, going to add some more flights to the whole um, test program. And that kind of made me tumble to a kind of bittersweet realization um, that was always true true when I stop and think about it, but this really drove it home to me. All right. It, it occurs to me that ingenuity's ultimate fate is to crash. Um, it, that, huh. um, huh. that, it, you know, and, and this is good. This is kind of, it would be kind of sad. All right. If they just said, we're going to do seven flights and when we're done, we're going to park it and, and 
drive away from it on Mars and just leave it there, all right? And uh, not pay the tie down. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> in, in a way, it's it's all, you know, I mean, ingenuities, you know, the, these kinds of things, you know, you, 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 so they're going to expand the envelope. They're going to add you know, things every single time they fly it. Presumably, they're going to be relatively careful and do small steps. But I would be willing to bet that what's going to happen here is that they're just going to keep flying experiments with this thing until it crashes. And that's good. And and that's sad, but that's kind of good because that's the way you get the most experimental data back. Yeah. Um, One other option, I think, though, is that um, they wear it out. Well, whether the solar cells or you know what uh, um, is the... Um, hmm. um, yeah, you're is, right. Is the, weak, is the weak point in the system? I don't know. You're right. Whether or not it will continue to charge its batteries could be a, a gating act item. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but it's well, going to. If it gets one of those Martian dust storms that uh, well, that's, that's covers right. up the yeah. uh, the uh, uh, charging panel. Yeah, that, I'm not sure. That could be the end of it, right? There. No, you're right. And I hadn't thought of this exactly, but and I, now I'm not. I'm thinking. I'm trying to decide which outcome I think is. I. I, I dislike more <laughs> it's like anyways um it's a very cool program um apparently people have been referring to it as jenny i don't know if that's the nasa people but uh pers- perseverance became percy and ingenuity became jenny and uh i haven't seen that yeah so i heard it someplace and, it, it can't uh, be true yeah well, okay so it's on the internet so it's absolutely true <laughs> it, it cannot be true yeah well I'm, i keep waiting for the uh for, for marvin the martian from looney tunes to pop oh, yeah. out yeah. With this sign that says "Not in my backyard," uh, helicopter landing here. Who needs the noise? Yeah, but he hadn't exactly. shown up yet. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, maybe in another episode we'll talk about yesterday. The other big space. This is not a space podcast. I don't know why we're doing this, but uh, um, the the star it's star a ship. podcast. I know the uh, the 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 uh, uh, SpaceX Starship. Um, prototype, latest one, number 15, um, flew yesterday and actually managed because to plant the, the landing. the first 14 crashed. Yeah, well, actually the first 10 because they skipped a couple of numbers. Um, so uh, our podcast is in good company when it comes to skipping numbers occasionally. But um, they, they actually landed this thing. Um, it was very cool, very cool. And uh, um, maybe we'll talk about that later on. Congratulations to SpaceX. Congratulations to NASA JPL uh, for, uh, for their work with Ingenuity. Um, I want to uh, see I, some in-flight photos, some ingenuity, since it's got two cameras. Let's. There've been. Oh, there probably. There uh, have been. There, there. There, there certainly have been stills looking back at. Um, um, at Perseverance, there's. Thank there, you. Thank yeah, there's one. There's one. Uh, maybe only one, but there is an image that. Um, apparently that's not their goal. Apparently they don't particularly care about taking beauty shots of perseverance um, because they've passed. They, they, I don't know. It seems like they could have done it if they wanted and they haven't, but well, they know what it looks like. Yeah. Well, but it would look, it's cool you know, to, to see it from a high above and looking down, but there is one, one frame from ingenuity that big wide shot of the Martian landscape from yeah. altitude, if you will. Um, and, and in the co- sort of upper left corner, um, you can see perseverance and various people have zoomed in on it and, and there it is. So uh, there are, I don't know whether or not ingenuity has the technical capability to take anything like videos um, because that involves a lot of data and capturing data fast and ingenuity is a relatively simple machine. 
Um, Perseverance has been able to take good moving video, uh, moving pictures, but, uh, yeah, I agree, David, though. I would, that would be a great thing. I would love that. I, w- I want to see a beauty shot. I want to see a, a flyover of, uh, you know, I want to like, I want ingenuity to buzz the Perseverance tower. And, uh, <laughs> um, I think when they flew it the first time, they should have accompanied the flight with, uh, the, uh, s- song or the music, uh, flight of the Valkyrie. Yes. Even though it's not named Yeah, See, I was thinking Top Gun music, but you're absolutely right. That would be the one to do. That would actually be the one to do. Uh, and uh, surfing. Look at that wave. Um, well, they could so, do Kenny Loggins' flight into the danger zone. That was what I meant. Yeah, that, that's the one I came to my mind first, but I like yours better when I stop and think about it. Anyways, all right. Um, changing tracks here to a sad thing um sorry but sad thing uh so uh and and we we lost another uh, apollo astronaut um this past week and uh, uh kind of sad michael collins the third person we lost another apollo 11 astronaut exactly right but uh um yeah. so we're now down to one one remaining apollo 11 astronaut um and uh michael collins of course is the the you know the guy who held down the fort so to speak while uh while uh, Armstrong and, and, and Aldrin went down to the surface. And, uh, you know, I've that- always wondered what it must have felt like to be alone in a small spacecraft orbiting a moon 250,000 miles from home and knowing that there, it, there's no way that you can get back there without these other guys. Wasn't the ones could, that were walking yeah. on the moon. Yeah, well, he could, he could get back. He, all he had to do was push a couple of buttons. It was the guys on the moon who were going to have a problem. Yeah, I believe that's the case. That yeah, and 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 I think he's that was the the the, the thing to ponder. You know, I mean, he's sitting that was up there. One, certainly, one thing to ponder. Sitting up there, you know, like as David yeah. alludes to, as as alone as anybody's maybe ever been in the history of humanity in many ways. Anyways, um, um, I I think I've read him talking about maybe only briefly, maybe only you know kind of fleetingly but the 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 thinking the that went through his mind considering the possibility that he could conceivably have been required to go home alone yeah um and uh i've heard him talk about that and that's that that's just you know i mean it's like i knowing you know the right stuff and how these folks you know view their work and their camaraderie and whatnot i could totally imagine him saying, I'm not going, I'm staying here. You know, I'll go, I'll go home when my guys come home, you know? But anyways, he didn't have to do that, thankfully. And, uh, um, crazy. And and we're down to buzz. Yeah. We're down to buzz as, as the Apollo 11, um, so we're down to three. How many total Apollo astronauts were, I believe we're down to three moonwalking astronauts now still living. Um, and that's somewhere I had, came across a stat that there were, Five living people who'd walked on the moon. No, I think we're down to three. But that now. was a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, I believe we're down to three now. But yeah, uh, I think you're right. Um, yeah, and, one of my favorites went away a year right. ago. Yeah. Gene, so Gene Cernan and I got to be friends. So yeah. Him. And uh, he was the last man to walk on the moon. Yeah. On Apollo 17. One of the uh, one of the commentator teams for the Starship thing that I was watching yesterday, where <laughs> these poor guys have to fill a lot of time waiting for this thing to launch, and one of the things they got to talking about was 
this subject of the how many surviving Apollo astronauts there still are. And uh, they got to pondering the question of they must, the, the astronauts must just pray that, because um, there's talk now about having somebody else walk on. We might send human beings back to the moon sometime soon. And uh, um, will there be an overlap between living people who walked on the moon back then and in the future? And uh, time will tell. Anyways, rest in peace, Michael Collins. Um, and uh, um, thanks for your, your work and for the inspiration you gave a lot of us. What else here? Uh, a drone crashed. I, I just... This you've seen this story. I think we even may have alluded to it at one point on a past episode. Um, this was a. Uh, a you guys got quiet. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still. Okay, there. all right, good. So the new, to me worrying about the new system. Um, David, you're still there too, right? Oh yeah. All I'm right. Just good. waiting for the sound of the crash. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so let's see now. Maybe I'll even open this story to get the details right here. Uh, <laughs> Why should today? I know. No, you're right. But but uh, so military drone, a uh, an MQ-9 Reaper drone, uh, which is a drone aircraft that you know we've probably all seen pictures of, um, and uh, and it was operating out of an airport up near, I believe, Syracuse, New York. And it was launching out on a, a training mission um, to a, a, a military area in up there. And on takeoff, I mean, it's kind of a, in some ways, this is your, you know, this is just the, the you know, one of the old stories, right? It, it uh, engine failure on takeoff. Um, and the, with a little help from, well, from well, a some, human. as is often the case, I as bet. is often the case, I, I bet. Right. Um, so according to the story here in, uh, the stars and stripes website, um, what happened was that, um, at the point during the takeoff, when the pilot, which is to say the ground-based operator, um, went to retract the flaps, um, instead of grabbing the flaps lever, he grabbed the one that was not only right next to it, but looked exactly like it, all right, which was basically the fuel shutoff. Go ahead. Yeah? There, there, Is that what you heard, too? There, there were Bonanza accidents that very similar to this. Where, yeah? Yeah, but they had a row of piano. The early Bonanzas had a row of, like, piano keys. And they were all identical, but you know, one was flaps, one was gear, uh, and there were some instances where guys uh, hit the uh, wrong button and came to a much quicker stop than their brakes would have given them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, this is reading from the story here. Let me see now. Um, the design of the ground control station console contributed to the crash, including the lack of a safety guard on the, what they call the condition lever, which apparently had to do with the fuel. Um, no, no, that might have been the flaps. One of the levers, the report said, um, despite being right next to each other, both controls have black handles and are unmarked or differentiated by color, the report said. Well, that's kind of silly. Isn't that great? I mean, wow. This is this is a, a an MQ nine Reaper control station. Yeah, seriously, that's what the story says. It's just like you know, yikes. Um, you and, think that they would have learned something from the rest of us? Yeah, and apparently, you what happened? Better, you can get a better control station from Sporties. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, apparently, according to this story, anyways, not only did the con- the, the operator, the pilot, um, 
he, he went to retract the flaps, but instead hit what I'm calling the fuel cutoff. It's, I, I don't think that's exactly His right. Condition lever is basically the same. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, 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 instead of, instead of retracting the flaps, he shut off the fuel. And then in trying to solve the problem, all right, he, he, he retracted the flaps, all right, which then caused it to come down even worse. And so basically, it, I, 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 I'm kind of impressed that it wasn't totally destroyed. According to the story, it was just kind of badly damaged um, off the end of the runway. But uh, That's so amazing. we have a drone accident that must be among the early uh, human factors accidents in drone flying. Yeah. Yeah. What, so air controls, these sorts of, uh, you know, I mean, uh, absent David's description earlier of a, of a place where they are the same, my experience is that a lot of these controls in an aircraft are very distinctive, all right? The throttle has a particular look, size, shape, color. The If you have if you have a, a, an RPM knob, it, it has a, a, a particular look. Um, the, the, you know, you see what I'm getting at here. Are those yes. mandated by like FAA regs or how? Yes. Uh, they are. They so, are now. They are now. They, they are now. Yeah, they are now. They didn't used to be. Okay. Right. And they so. They didn't used to be differentiated all that much. Yeah. Well, from your story, yes. I, I, uh, so, um, yeah. Okay. Well, good. But so, I don't know. The military needs well, to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised by this, actually. You know, if in fact. These controls are all the same size, shape, color. They're just, you know, arrayed in a row here or something like that. I'm surprised this hasn't happened before. That's that's really bad engineering. Uh, and it, yeah. It, it, something that, that manned aviation or peopled aviation or crewed aviation has, has mastered some time ago. Right. Uh, there's still the odd uh, um, uh, foobar, but uh, th- this highlights something that's been kind of a, uh, a pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is um, checklists that um, before takeoff checklists that would induce you to move the fuel selector. Okay. Um, we should not be doing that. We should the tank that we want to take off on is the tank we should start the engine on. Right. And the reason is if yes. we attempt to switch tanks right before taking off in the run-up area, complying with the pre-takeoff checklist, uh, we run the risk of switching to an empty tank or missetting uh, um, the the, out, the, uh, the gas, uh, the fuel tank selector, and running out of yeah, fuel, or, running engine stoppage at like two or 300 feet above. Yeah, or triggering some flaw in the plumbing or yeah. exactly yeah exactly. right yeah it's, it's, it's just a bad thing every time i hear of a takeoff accident like this that's the first thing that jumps to my mind is someone it's yeah. for you the first thing that jumps to mind is someone switched the tanks right before takeoff mm-hmm. and don't do that yeah so what you're saying is is determine which is going to be the takeoff tank, and that's the one you have. That's the one you start the engine on. Start the engine on. Right. So if you're flying a twin and you're going to take off on the mains, you put both engines on their respective main tanks. If you're flying uh, a Bonanza, uh, pick one. If you're flying a Cessna 172, obviously leave it on both. You need to do that anyway for takeoff and landing. But um, pick one and leave it alone and then start the engine. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. I'll, I'll, well, I'm I'm sure the FAA will get back to you on this. And uh, well, 
um, I just wrote up a, a, a piece this week. Um, yeah. Uh, a friend great. of ours, a friend of the podcast, J.R. Warmcastle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Had, had written a piece for the uh, the June issue of, of uh, Aviation Safety Magazine and highlighted an accident, um, fuel exhaustion, in this case, rather than starvation, accident uh, that his one of his students was a pilot in command for. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, why did I do this? Why didn't I do that? Why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? Um, but um, he counted 11 different steps on the checklist leading up to takeoff for this particular airplane mm-hmm. that could be interpreted as a mandate to reposition the fuel selector. Really? Okay. Interesting. We'll have to look for that article. Yeah. yeah so. Neat. Neat. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see now. If uh, By the way, uh, so uh, I don't know how to segue. It's got to be a better segue than this. But uh, if you like what we're doing with this podcast, uh, please consider supporting it uh, with a financial donation. Uh, and, and even if you don't like what we're doing, please consider. Support. Well, please consider, but uh, hopefully you like it. Uh, if you don't like it, well, never mind. Um, it, it, all kidding aside, as little as a few dollars a month really helps us uh, in, in enabling us to do the podcast. There are expenses involved here uh, and, uh, and, uh, and investing the time. Um, we, you can should, say- we should name it episode of fistful of dollars and then the next time we can say for a few dollars more <laughs> you can send in <laughs> okay i'm not sure now, we'll add, add the title of that uh episode will be the good the bad and the ugly i'm not sure yeah right <laughs> i'm not sure yeah oh, okay all right you can send individual donations to the ucap tip jar via paypal uh big thanks to some recent uh paypal uh, uh tip jar donors david w and robert v um or you can become an automatic monthly supporter via patreon uh thank you to some of our patreon supporters uh brand new Patreon supporter Steve T, welcome. Uh, also Jim and Mark C and Andrew P, Arthur Z, Jeff W, Larry N, Larry O, Timothy E, Mark C, Patricia S, Jan S, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, thank you to everyone. You're uh, just making up some of those. No, I'm not, actually not. I, <laughs> thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You folks are the best. I go through the I go through the Patreon note records every single prior to every episode, and I go and look so that I can thank the people who have, uh, have, have just joined us, um, or who have made a change, you know, made an increase or a change to uh, to their support. Um, I also try and find people who've been longtime supporters and try and find people who have been uh, very generous supporters. Um, and, and I absolutely didn't make those are real people. All right. I, this will come up at the next meeting. I promise. It, we don't, it doesn't need to. Yeah. Um, for more information about providing automatic monthly support, you can check us out at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace, or you can make a PayPal donation to the email address podcast at uncontrolled airspace.com. You can get all this information again by clicking on the box in the right hand column of the UCAP homepage. That's at uncontrolled airspace.com. Thank you so much for everyone. Uh, what else here? Oh, so flying under bridges. I think that's the next thing on the list here, right? Oh, flying under bridges. Flying under bridges. All right. So, um, Jeb, you're the one that in our little pre-show conversation mentioned that the the internet is a buzz. Um, I was, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say that. I said said there's been a lot of coverage in the aviation. Okay. That's, that's what you said. All right. Um, so I guess the story here is that this well-known aviation writer and, and, and instructor and just person, 
Um, Martha Lunken, I guess is her name. I'm, I'm confess. I don't know this woman. Do you guys know her as a, as an aviation writer? Maybe do you know who she is or do you even know her? I don't. Okay. That's a no. All right. Okay. Okay. So anyways, she apparently, uh, decided, uh, no, 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 I want to make light of this. Sorry, because she's kind of been, apologetic and and whatnot about this um she flew under under a bridge um she decided that that she thought that would be a fun thing to do i i shouldn't put thoughts in her mind but she's talked about it and then she later said she admits that this was a terrible mistake and she regrets it and she apologizes for it um and uh, and there have been consequences from this action and the consequences are that um her and she's a fairly certificated pilot i mean she's not simply a private pilot instrument red she's got like cfis and she's got quite the the uh, the the uh, you know select she's collection an a- she's an atp yeah and apparently they just pulled them all all right they just yep. everything everything is gone all right and this was my first reaction to this story okay um was that this seemed like an extreme, um, um, it, there should be consequences. What she did was wrong. It was reckless. It was dangerous. It not only endangered herself, it set a bad example, and it conceivably da- endangered others. There should be consequences. And the money that she threw in the toll bucket missed. Yeah. And um, it, it, there should be consequences, all right? But to just plain pull all of her certificates, taking her back to zero as a, as a pilot, basically, seems extreme to me. Does it seem extreme to you? Either of you? Jeb, Dave? Yeah, it does to me. Uh, yeah. Uh, hang on a second. I mean, it, it, there there have been others do this and not suffered quite the severity of consequences that the FAA has imposed on this lady. Uh, and I, I think the, 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 the punishment should relate to the severity of the uh, – of, of the infraction and I haven't seen photos of this bridge in the river or whatever it passes over to render a judgment on whether this was oh piece of cake or whether it was a really tight squeeze but the Brits used to ground guys uh, during the Battle of Britain some of them would come back come back <laughs> <laughs> fly under a bridge yeah okay which was probably probably one of the safer things they did all day long but uh, go ahead yeah oh but it was it got them in trouble yeah i bet they bet it did clear your throat there dave um, um jeb yeah I, I don't disagree that this seems a little uh heavy-handed uh on the faa's part uh they could knock her back to a private or something like that and take away your instrument multi-engine and flight flight instructor and all that uh, they didn't, uh, and that uh, I don't know what that tells me. It might tell me something uh, about her initial reaction. I don't know. Yeah. So, okay. but a couple of other things. Go ahead. Um, one, um, I'm not aware of an aviation journalist, an aviation writer, someone who um, has a regular writing gig in, in the industry having been sanctioned like this before by the FAA. Ah, but okay. We're all not uh, um, ace of the base, and we're all not um, um, the most perhaps far-abiding bunch out there. I don't know anybody. I'm not going to name any names or anything like that. But um, I would guarantee 
that more people who write for magazines have been um, asked by the FIA, why did you just do that? But see, now um, this is where I ultimately wanted to go with this. All right. I have an example for you. Okay. okay. There, there are examples. There's um, Phil Boyer's wife. Um, years ago, um, <clears throat> there was a, a spat about uh, the position of her ADSB equipped. I think it was a 172. I'm not sure. Uh, and it's, it is um, whether or not they busted P56, the, uh, I think it was Camp David. Uh, P-59, P- I don't remember which one, uh, one of the prohibited areas around Washington. And that went back and forth for some time. And um, I don't know what the initial, I know the disposition was she, she uh, uh, quote unquote, got off. Uh, but um, initially they had proposed some uh, draconian uh, measure of the FAA had, but it was later determined that there was a, a data error and she was not inside the prohibited airspace. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I can't remember, uh, but you say you do, you do remember one. So, so let's have it. I, I, I have to wonder, and I have no information other than me speculating and wondering um, if there's a Bob Hoover factor here. All right. That, um, I, I've forgotten about Bob Hoover. All right. He, he Bob, wasn't he wasn't really a writer. He was certainly a well known name. But but he was well known. He was notorious and, and and apparently the way the story ultimately played out was that he had a thing or 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 the FISDO had a thing with him yes. and, and one particular FISDO decided to enforce against him and and the rest of the FAA followed along, even though it turned out all the reports I've heard indicate that it was ultimately acknowledged to have been a very personal thing between some yes. particular people at a particular FISDO who yes. didn't like Bob Hoover. Well, it was two inspectors that watched him fly an air show right, and concluded that he was mentally impaired and, and shouldn't be doing that by watching him do his regular routine. I mean, come on. It's, it, it's laughable on its face. Yeah, it is. And so I just have to wonder, and I have no information. I just I wonder if that's what's at play here, right? Is, I don't, I, I don't is, know. Is there, is there, is, you know, and so time will tell. Maybe we'll learn, maybe we won't. But I, I just, it just seems extreme. Maybe this woman did, maybe there's more going on here. Maybe this woman has a, a quiet history of, of pushing the limits. And yeah, that, we don't know anything you know, about that. So, I, so I mean, some, whatever's going on here, it just seems weird. Don't do this, by the way. Don't fly yeah, under bridges. Yeah, this is, yeah, do not try this at home. It, it's not, I think another thing, though, too, is um, um, let's put it this way. Uh, I take sometimes extra care to ensure that the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety magazine does not have an aviation accident. Yes. Yeah. There is a duty, I think, I don't know how great it is, to set an example. If you've got a perch like that, and I'm not sure that standard Agreed. was I'm not sure that standard was met. Yeah. Don't don't do don't these things. Don't try this at home. This is don't these rules exist for good reasons, and so uh, don't do it. All right then. Um I think we've reached the end of our allotted time here. Uh 
We have an allotted time? Yes, we do, as a matter of fact. Believe as, it or as not. opposed to having a good time. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I always, it's always fun getting together with you and chatting. We appreciate it. And uh, uh, glad you made it this time, David. We, uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to give you a hard time about this for a little while longer. But uh, That's gl- okay. Glad you're back. Glad you're back. Uh, the, these two of my good friends here, Jeb Burnside. Jeb is a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Uh, he is also as a regular uh, contributor to other aviation publications. Online, you can find Jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com, and his magazine is on Twitter as avsafetymag. You can also find him at aea.net, avweb.com, and on Twitter, he is Burnside J. And Dave Higdon. Uh, Dave is a aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. Uh, you can find his work online at avbuyer.com, aea.net, and on Twitter, he's real Higdon. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private. Po- I'm a private pot, easy for me to say. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most of the usual places with the all one word username Jack Hodgson. For example, twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson, YouTube Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. You can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. And you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. And hey, David. One of the benefits of uh, reading what uh, Jeff and I do in print is the mute buttons always right there in your hand. There you go. Um, David, you should know that Jeb did a meritable job of filling in for you last time, but it wasn't the same. David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm an old fart now and time spent flying helped me get there because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. At least in my case, it's not so long. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Remember, one greased landing is luck and skill. Two is pure luck. Three in a row, someone's lying. <laughs>